0: Catholic Channel on Sirius XM 129 presents America This Week, a smart Catholic take on faith and culture with Father Matt Malone and Carrie Weber.
1: Good day and welcome to the broadcast. I'm Father Matt Malone, Editor-in-Chief of America Magazine.
0: And I'm Carrie Weber, Executive Editor. And each week we offer you the news and analysis from the intersection of the church and the world gathered by our team at America Magazine.
1: And one of our team joins us here in the studios. Uh, J.D. Long Garcia is a senior editor, um, and in town, because he's actually uh, usually based in uh, Phoenix. It's great to be here. That's Thanks. right. Really great to have you.
0: Let's bring on our guest, John Malasek. He's a writer. Uh, he writes a lot about ethical and spiritual challenges with regard to living the good life in America today. And he writes uh, um, many times in America, our magazine. He's written this article, Catholic colleges are searching for new homes in the Southwest. Can they succeed? It can be found at AmericanMagazine.org. John, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks. It's great to be here.
0: Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about how you discovered this story? Um, Where did you learn that this sort of movement of colleges from sort of the Midwest or the East Coast, um, to build campuses in the Southwest uh, was occurring.
2: Yeah, I mean, the the real background to the story uh, has to do with my own move um, from Northeast Pennsylvania to uh, Dallas, Texas. Um, I used to teach theology at a Catholic college um, in Northeast Pennsylvania. And that is, you know, that region is one of these old bastions of... You know northeastern Catholic culture, um, and it's you know the scranton Wilkesbury area is something like the 100th largest um, metro area uh, in the United States, but has four Catholic colleges. Um, and then a few years ago, I moved here to Texas, um, which is the you know in Dallas is the fourth largest um, metro area with a already pretty large and growing Catholic population. It only has one Catholic college, um, so we have multiple large dioceses um, here in North Texas and, you know, not um, many educational resources um, in higher education to serve them. And so I started just thinking about this and looking at, um, you know, other areas in the Southwest to see, you know, what what's going on with Catholic higher ed there, Um and uh, I, you know, stumbled upon um, the Phoenix area where there are these, there have been multiple attempts by established Catholic universities, mostly in the Midwest, uh, trying to open branch campuses in the greater Phoenix area. I mean, the state of Arizona uh, a decade ago had no Catholic universities at all, and um, and it has a, a growing uh, Catholic population, and um, these universities are uh, – Midwestern universities are trying to meet the needs of that population by opening branch campuses. So I sort of poked around and found um, these colleges in in Phoenix and, um, you know, I pitched the story to you all. And, uh, and, I, I, <laughs>
1: and here we are. And, and <laughs> exactly, right. right.
3: Yeah, one of the things that strikes me, John, about your story, and I think it's so beautifully written, um, it said that it, it was definitely worth uh the time for people to when they get their magazine in the mail or if they want to read it online at america org, it's definitely worth going through the the piece because you you tell such a a rich story and there's so much background in it but um can you are there some things that seem to work for some universities and not for others why why are some universities making it and what where others didn't
2: yeah that's uh That's a tough one to answer because, uh, you know, like you say, uh, J.D., it's a complex story with so many factors in play. Um, The the short version of the story is that um, particularly the city of Mesa uh, a few years ago tried to attract um, uh, private universities to its downtown as as an effort to kind of revitalize uh, the downtown. Um, One uh, surprising fact I learned is that Mesa is a city of half a million people. Uh, it's, you know, huge and sprawling, um, but it has this, you know, somewhat neglected um, uh, downtown. And um, a couple of the colleges that the city invited uh, to open up branch campuses were Catholic ones. So um, College of St. Scholastica uh, from Duluth, Minnesota was one, and Benedictine University from Lyle, Illinois uh, is another, and there have been a few other um, there's one other uh, attempt that I know of to start a branch campus of the University of the Incarnate Word uh, west of Phoenix. At any rate, um, since Scholastica is not there anymore uh, in downtown Mesa. Um, Incarnate Word is not there anymore, um, and uh, Benedictine is still there in downtown Mesa, and as I explain in the article university of mary also has a presence in tempe which is right next door to mesa and um the you know there's so many factors um the, the the deck is so stacked against these colleges that it's kind of you know remarkable that um benedictine and university of mary are um you know, starting to take root.
3: Well, um, and I guess what it what strikes me about both in both of those cases with the university of Mary and with Benedictine, they had partnerships, right? So it's almost like they're like mm-hmm. venue Mesa is working with the city of, uh, City of, uh, of mesa and then in the, with the university of mary they're working hand in hand with arizona state university uh which right. is enormous i mean it's a huge university so it's um uh, i don't know if they have a half a million students but um close right i know but um, right. but it seems like you have to in order for them to really take root they have to form these partnerships with larger entities or you know more powerful more influential entities
2: yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the presence of ASU is a, uh, you know, a, a complex one um, uh, in the, the story that I'm trying to tell. Um, Arizona State University, you know, its, it's main campus is in uh, the city of Tempe, um, right in between Phoenix and Mesa, and it has branches all over the region. Uh, And it's hailed as one of the most innovative universities in the country, and it has a very ambitious president um, uh, named Michael Crow. And, um, you know, ASU is expanding so rapidly. I mean, just in the past few years, it's added about 5,000 students in the greater Phoenix area. I think five thousand students would be a decent-sized Catholic college in most <laughs> parts of the country. Right. Um, and ASU kind of adds that, that number of students every few years, um, and the competition. You know, ASU has it has huge name recognition, um, and uh, you know ambitions to you know to have a, a strong presence in Arizona and beyond, um, and just trying to compete with that behemoth is difficult. Um, you know, ASU is now opening a, a branch in Mesa. Um and when I spoke with the the president of Benedictine University, um, you know, his attitude was, you know, I'm not worried. I do something different. You know, Benedictine does something different than what ASU is doing and you know, different niches. Right. Um and then in in Tempe, the University of Mary has, you know, directly tried to, as you said, um, uh, collaborate with ASU to to find a niche kind of within you know the large public university.
0: Uh, John, one of the things that you mentioned um, before the show uh, we, that we talked about before the break rather was uh, you know the 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 fact that a lot of there, there's a whole new population here to serve, um, but, to be served by Catholic colleges in the Southwest. Uh, but what are those? What is that population looking for in in these colleges? Are they drawn to the fact that it, it has a distinct Catholic identity? Is it more that these colleges are finding a place where, just geographically, there 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 is a need for, for education? Um, just in a city-by-city in a city basis, you know, and that this happens to be something mm-hmm. that's close by. Um, what, is, what is the relationship of the students to the church and the identity of the schools?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that it encompasses all of the things that you mentioned. Uh, I met, you know, dozens of students um, on my visit to, you know, these two campuses, um, the University of Mary's uh, campus at Arizona State and um, Benedictine University's campus in downtown Mesa. And some of the students said that the Catholic identity of the colleges mattered um, and some of them, you know, said it it wasn't a huge factor. Um, You know, at one point when I was at Benedictine, which by the way has about 500 students um, uh, in Mesa, I walked up to a table of students who are just having lunch and I said, you know, why are you all here? And they said, in unison, sports. Um, They were all student athletes, uh, and sports mattered a lot to them. A little bit after a little bit more, um, kind of, you know, conversation it came out that, you know, a couple of them, it did matter that it was a Catholic college. They were looking at other Catholic colleges, um, uh, you know, in California, but, you know, Benedictine is, is right there near their home and, um, you know that made a difference uh, they didn't they didn't have to make the choice that so many uh, Catholic students from Arizona have had to make in the past which is do I go for a Catholic education out of state or do I uh, go for a you know public education in state um, and in Arizona you know the the public education sector is huge and the private education sector is very new um, so the presence of benedictine and um the university of mary which is a, a smaller number of students uh, has i think transformed some of that decision making for undergraduates
0: right yeah you know, that makes sense and and to some degree that decision making process is similar to that that you might find in students at any catholic college anywhere some of them are there because it's catholic some are there because it's a good education some are there for sports some are there because their parents want them to be there, or whatnot. You know, you're going to find that at yeah, any school.
2: exactly. I mean, there's also the the impact um, that a Catholic university can have on a diocese. Um, if they're, you know, Benedictine um, offers, you know, a range of programs, uh, including in theology, uh, and they're um, planning to have a theology master's program conducted entirely in Spanish to serve the needs of the diocese. Um, You know, large Eastern and Midwestern dioceses have a massive Catholic infrastructure to support educational and pastoral needs. uh, And the Diocese of Phoenix has not had that. Um, You know, the seminarians have to go out of state. Um, Lay leaders have to either study online or go out of state. And, you know, with the presence of Catholic universities um, right there in this this growing diocese, they can begin to kind of, um, you know, close the gap in, in the educational needs that the Church has there.
0: Right, and potentially offer chances for uh, innovation as well, I guess. It, with it, uh-huh. like, on a diocesan level, even, like you're saying.
2: Right, yeah, exactly. You get, uh, you know, scholars and um you know diocesan officials working together. and yeah, you can you can come up with you know creative solutions to um, problems facing the local church.
3: Yeah, and the local church is one that's, that's growing tremendously in the Southwest. Uh, and, and a lot of the people, I think, are transplants, right? So, I mean, you go to like a D backs game, a uh, baseball game, and you, you sometimes, if the Red Sox are in town, there's more Red Sox fans <laughs> than there are D backs. So it's kind of an embarrassing thing, you know. But um, but
0: I've had that experience. Having lived in Arizona, my parents came to visit. She was wearing Red Sox hat, and we ran into people with Red Sox hats at the grocery store. It was like right. a reunion.
3: Yeah, right. Yeah. I, mean, I think that there's a, you could, walk away with the idea that the church is also just arriving in the Southwest. But as you mentioned in your article, that's not the case, correct? I mean, the the church has been in these areas for, for hundreds of years.
2: Right, absolutely. I mean, the church has, uh, you know, the, the Catholic Church came to Arizona, I think, in the tail end of the, the 17th century or beginning of the 18th, um, and it, it wasn't part of the United States, of course. I mean, there was no United States um, at the time. But uh, it, it was, um, uh, the, the, yeah. There is a, a deep Catholic history there, and there's in the city like San Antonio is a 300-year-old Catholic city, um, and yet in a lot of these southwestern cities, uh, yeah, like I said before, that infrastructure isn't there, right. And um, I spoke with a theology professor uh, at Benedictine, um, Ramon Lusataga, and he uh, sort of you know made an, an appeal um, uh, to the, the transplants, particularly retirees who have moved from you know the upper Midwest uh, to Arizona, um, to say to them, you know Catholic um, retirees who are, are part of the diocese, that, you know they they have this urge to uh support the church to you know to, to give money to institutions um, uh Catholic institutions and he wanted to you know try to convince them to invest their money in the diocese of Phoenix where they live now while their impulse may be to invest it in you know Chicago or Milwaukee or wherever they're from right um just because the need is, you know, they may be, have been formed by those institutions, but the need is so great, uh, in the Southwest for Catholic institutions, um, to support, you know, this population that, you know, like, like you say, I mean, it's, um, it's, it's, it's burgeoning, it's arriving, and, uh, it, it has the, this, this need and this enthusiasm that's not currently being met,
1: and I think that that's a really important point to make because, you know, it's true. I mean, the church was present in those parts of the country um, first, but that, as you point out, Jonathan, the the church's institutional presence was is most pronounced in the in the in the Northeast. And you know, as I'm thinking about this problem, I'm thinking about the city of Buffalo that has uh 250,000 people uh, that's their total population and they have nine catholic colleges right <laughs> and,
2: i'm I'm a, I'm a native of buffalo right so
1: you know what i'm talking about right yeah. so you i mean so if you could wave a magic wand you would you would just you would shut down some of those take their resources and move them to the southwest right I mean, yeah, it, it, because you got to go where the population <laughs> <It's>, is <he's laughs> got a Hesitancy right? there on this one. <laughs> well, because there's also it's it, it's also uh, there there's a, there's a there's a real migration occurring, right? Uh, that's, we were talking about it last week on this program, right? You know that that the population within the country mm-hmm. is uh, not just new folks who are coming, but the population within the country is moving and has been on the move for 25 years, and yet the church's institutions aren't moving, right? Right. Right. And,
2: um, yeah, I mean, that's uh, something that it's, is made kind of painfully clear um, with the, the severe cutbacks at Wheeling Jesuit, for right. instance. Right. Um, and in the private sector, um, what I see all the time in Texas is new arrivals, um, uh, you know, corporate uh, companies move from – Uh, you know, whether it's from the Midwest or Northeast or or often enough uh, from California um, to Texas. And they bring thousands of employees and just kind of set up shop in, uh, you know, in Dallas somewhere. And colleges, for whatever reason, um, can't seem to do that or haven't been able to Mm do that. And I, I mean, certainly like the integration between a Catholic or between any college, a Catholic college or otherwise, and its community. Right is you know tremendous and it's it's extremely painful not just to the people in the at the college but in the community um when colleges uh you know are in financial trouble or or perhaps have to close um but i mean you're absolutely right that there's somehow or another um you know resources need to be able to
1: move um but uh, you know, it, yeah, who, uh, who could actually, without, who, no one actually has the magic wand, right? That's the problem. Right. right. Are these that, new
0: new colleges or the new campuses opening up, are they financially feasible? The ones that are, you know, sort of have stuck around for a while? Are they looking like this is uh, going to be able to be supported?
2: Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the leadership at Benedictine's uh, branch campus in Mesa um, assured me that they're very close but that branch campus is you know, very close to being self-sustaining and not no longer having to um, rely on the, the main campus for support. The University of Mary campus, um, which currently only has about 17 students, uh, is, I, I believe, is still being um, supported by the, the main campus. Um, and its president, uh, Monsignor James Shea, said that uh, it would be take about 120 students, I think, um, for that camp for the, the Arizona campus to be self-sustaining. Now, I mean, just being able to balance the budget is not enough for a university to last, um, uh, long into the future. You know, it needs, uh, universities need a lot of capital. Um, they need endowments, they need buildings, they need, uh, equipment and books and, and things like that. Um, that, you know, goes beyond just balancing your organ, your operational budget. Um, so, you know, from my perspective, like Benedictine seems to be um, doing pretty well, uh, but it, it takes so much, you know, to keep a university going um, that, you know, I, I doubt that its leadership is, is ready to get complacent. Right.
1: Well, the piece is uh, Catholic Colleges Are Searching for New Homes in the Southwest. Can They Succeed? It's by Jonathan Malasic, whose contributions to America we always welcome. And thank you so much for being on the broadcast today.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me.
1: All right. Uh, That's a fascinating story. So yeah, you know. Know, uh, the churches is, is uh, in- institutions are basically where they were when America started ten years, one hundred and ten years ago. <laughs> 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 yeah, we need to figure out how to get them to where the people have moved, <laughs> right? Because you know, as we said last week, people are opening parishes in Texas and yeah. in California right yeah. now. And, no,
0: exactly. Uh, and you've been to these campuses, right, J.D.? Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. Uh, Benedictine has room to grow. Right. So um, the uh, it's a little bit complicated with, at ASU, I think, with the um, at the University of Mary, and to see how that plays out.
1: But it's, um, well, at least it's good news that there's still a demand. Absolutely.
0: And it's nice to see innovation in the higher ed sphere in this way.
1: And speaking of news, uh, we just want to make some news of our own by letting our listeners know that um, with a bittersweet announcement (laughs) that on May 22nd, um, this program is going to have its final episode uh, America this week will come to an end. Uh, it's been a great ride, uh, and we've had, uh, a fantastic experience. Um, uh, but just as the church in the United States, uh, has to think about how it's allocating its resources, um, you know, we, we, we also have to think about that in America media and, and, uh, a lot of our audio resources now are going into podcasting and, um, And so we thought it's probably time for a change.
0: Don't worry. You can still talk to me. I'll I'll stop by your office every Wednesday at 1 p.m. and talk to you for one hour. I hope you're ready. (laughs) Get your grilled cheese sandwich.
1: I am going to be ready. And, uh, of course, we're going to have a special program on uh, on that day. And uh, especially uh, to take the opportunity to thank the people who have helped us here at Sirius uh, make this possible. And to thank especially the people who have been listening to us. Uh, throughout these uh, last couple of years. So you have been listening to America This Week on the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129. You can find all of the content that we talked about today at americamagazine.org. You can also follow us on Facebook and on Twitter. And to subscribe to America, call 1-800-627-9533. That's 1-800-627-9533 for a smart Catholic take on faith and culture. For Kerry Weber and J.D. Long Garcia, I'm Father Matt Malone. Thank you, and good day.
3: listening to the Catholic channel Sirius XM 129